I want to talk to you this morning about perilous times, and that should say, instead of a comma there, that should say, and perilous people. Lord, help me. Perilous times and perilous people. Lord, help me. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? It seems to be the prayer out of my heart. Oh, so much lately. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And you can pray that prayer all kind of different ways. Uh, you can put accent on different words of that prayer. Sometimes on Lord, sometimes on help, sometimes on me. And, uh, and you can pray it a bunch of different ways. And so, uh, but it's becoming the cry of my heart. And it's been the cry of my heart, really my whole Christian life. But it's becoming a cry even more, especially in the perilous times when we're dealing with perilous people. Amen. And so let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us today in this place. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for, Lord, your people, God. We thank you for this church, God. And we thank you, Lord, that this is a people, God, that love you and they love to hear your word, God. We thank you, God, for those that are tuned in online, God, that uh, are faithful to come and want to hear the Word of God as well, God. And we just pray that you would just, uh, God, speak to us today, God. We pray that you would, you would uh, throw us into the places that we need to be thrown into, God, so that we can be about your, your, your work in the earth, God. Don't let us uh, miss uh, doing the work of God while there's still time. Lord, you're calling us, God. We've preached for a whole year about being on the right foundation and so that we can be secure in, in our salvation and then we can be moved out into the work of God that you've commissioned and called us to do, to go into the world and make disciples of all the world. And so, Lord God, it's that time. It's that time now for us, God. And so, Lord God, if we can't do it ourselves, then, then God, throw us into the work. Throw us into where we, the places we need to be now, God. And Lord, I just pray by the, and, and, and the, so if the cry in order to do that is help me, Lord, then, then that, that's what we'll pray. That's what we'll pray. And God, that'll make a lot more sense to a lot more people, God, by the end of this message, Lord. We just love you. We give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Perilous times, perilous people. Lord, help me. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says this, but know this, that in the last days, Perilous times will come, for men will be what? Lovers of themselves. Man. Man, I could just preach and rail for an hour on that. For people will be lovers. Now, he's talking to you. He's talking to me. This, this is not the world he's writing to Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, be aware in the last days. This is what you're going to be dealing with right inside here. In the churches. This is what you're going to be dealing with. In the last days, perilous times are going to come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Man, I mean, is that lovers of themselves? Lovers of money. That, that's us. Materialistic, greedy, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. I mean, we got people who can't even give... We, we, we can't even be thankful to God. We can't even say the words out of our mouth. Uh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you've given me. No, it's always a gripe. It's always a murmur. It's always a complaint coming out of our spirit. It's always out of a bitter root. We can't even say thank you to each other. 
There used to be something of decency taught in this nation that when somebody does something good for you, you say, thank you. It's just respect. It's just what God teaches us to do in His Word, to have respect for one another. That when you do something nice for something, there's gratitude that goes. It does something great, brings gratitude with the heart. If you do something nice for the church, you do something nice for your neighbor, you bake a cake and someone just doesn't expect it, we're not just entitled to it, but we actually say, thank you. We would have a lot better attitudes in our heart if we, if we extended that grace to people, if we extended that honor to people, uh, and, we, and most of all to the Lord, to be thankful. God's not in the business of, 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 of dealing and enjoying ungrateful and unthankful people. Amen? Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. It's not God's, God's way to not love people. We even are to love our enemies. Our enemies. If you don't love your en- if you don't love the people next to you, then I know you don't love your enemies. And that's called sin. No, we categorize all the big sins in church. That's sin. And that's something that's not like God. And that's something that if you're not... Look, it's okay that you're struggling with this. I'm struggling with a lot of these things in here. But it's not okay that you're not wrestling with God to say, God, take these things out of my life. They're unlike you. They're unpleasing to you. And they don't reflect your glory. Oh man, about three of you clap. The rest of you want to be unthankful, unholy, unloving. But I want to love God, amen? And I want to love people. Hallelujah. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. I'm not going to forgive that person. They'd have to bow down on their knees and crawl across broken glass before I'd forgive them. That's the attitude we have now. That's the attitude we have now. This is the last days. This is what it's going to be like, folks. This is it. This is what it's going to be like. This is what you're going to be dealing with inside, wrestling in your own heart. This is what we're not to become, but we have become in many instances, right? In this world. That's why we're destroying each other. That's why we're firing missiles at each other. That's why we're invading countries because we've become so selfish that we've got dictators now that want to go in and just take people to take people, right? Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. We have no problem talking about each other. No problem getting on Facebook and just railing about somebody when they did something wrong so everybody can know it. Everybody, I want everybody to know what that preacher did to me. I want everybody to know what that preacher said. I want everybody to know what that church member did. I want everybody, I want the world to see it. Right? Slanderers. Without self-control, because you can't control yourself, so we just got to blast it out on Instagram. Right? Let's tweet it out there for the world to see it. Without self-control, brutal, brutal, despisers of good. Not liking what I'm even saying right here today. Something in our hearts. I wish he'd shut up and move on, right? Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong. Headstrong. 
You're so stubborn. You know, that old thing, stubborn as a mule. We're stubborn. Brad, you're so stubborn. 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 I won't go to that altar. I feel the conviction of the Lord. But by golly, they'll think something of me. I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm a preacher. I, I'm not moving from this position. I'm stubborn, stubborn, headstrong, haughty, haughty, proud, arrogant, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power to transform your life. Denying God has the power to change you from all these ways. No, you'd rather follow self. I'd rather follow self than to follow God that has the power to take me out of all these things. Right? And from such people, he says, even in the church, turn away. Turn away from these type people. And that's the time we live in, folks. That's the day we live in when Paul wrote this to young Timothy to warn him that in the last days, this is what we're going to be dealing with in our society and in our hearts and in our lives. A time when people will live a compromised life and they'll have a form of godliness but deny its power. We need him and his power right now. That's what I've been trying to cry out the last several weeks is you're not going to make it in your own power now. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to cry out for a fresh baptism, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit because we need the power of God in our lives. And he says, be aware of this type person and don't associate with them. When people choose their own ways instead of choosing God's power to transform them, uh, then, then they begin to do these things. That's what the Bible says. When you choose your way, when you choose to do it your own way instead of going the way that God says to do it, then you, 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 you eradicate the power of God from being able to come and to work inside of our lives. And so it takes a life of yielding to the presence and the power of God in order for us to do this. And if we don't do that, these things come in and it divides the body. And that's what we've been talking about a lot. The reason we've got divided churches and divided bodies is because we've got so much of that mess going on in the hearts and lives of God's people. And when you go to Genesis... If you go to Genesis, you remember two brothers, Cain and Abel. You remember that? You remember that little story? It didn't end so well because one of them wasn't so mad at his brother. He was mad at God. He was mad at God. And when you get mad at God and the way things God does stuff, then you begin to get mad at your brother. And so he got mad at God for what God was doing. And he, and he began to compare and look. All these things, these self things and all these things began to come into his heart. And he began to look at his brother and say, man, I've done, I, I did a lot better job than that. I worked hard. I worked hard and God didn't accept me. I, I did all these. I, I, I got up early. I got up early and I stayed up late. And what did my brother do? He took something that God, that God created himself. Uh, uh, just his sheep. And all he did was slew it and brought a sacrifice to God. And God accepted his over mine. And the Bible says that he got so angry that he got mad and he killed his brother. And that's what many of us have done. That's the problem when we don't want to walk in God's ways. These things begin to come in and we begin to spiritually wound and kill each other if we don't do it physically we do it with our tongues 
Yeah, we begin to spiritually kill each other or kill the church down the road and talk about them. We begin to destroy God's people and we spiritually wound and kill each other with our words. And so, But we want to see the world the way that God sees it. Mark 8, the Bible tells us something interesting. There's a great story, the Bible, in Mark 8. And I love parables in the Word of God because they tell us, they open up so much. And in Mark 8, listen to what Jesus said. Because I'm going somewhere and I want you to see see that God is wanting us to, to go into the world. But the problem is, is if, we're, if, we're, if we have these things in our heart, we're not going to want to go to the world, right? We're going to withdraw our hand from going to the world and from seeing people the way that Jesus Christ sees people. Look at how these people saw differently from Jesus. Then he came to Bethsaida and brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. God, touch me. Let me see. Cause me to see. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Here's what I want you to notice. I want you to see here. And he looked up and he said, I see men like trees and they're walking. Okay, one, we know these aren't trees because trees don't walk and move. But he sees them like objects. And that's how many of us see People out here, well, that's just a nation, and that's a wicked nation, and they're corrupt. Oh, those are Democrats. Those are liberals. Those are Republicans. And you don't see men the way that Jesus saw men. You just see them as trees moving around out there. Then he put his hands, then then he said, I see men like trees. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up again, and he was restored, and he saw everyone clearly. That's what we need Jesus to do at Brookside Church of God today. We need God to say, touch my eyes a second time so I can see people clearly the way that you see people. So that I can see my enemies the way that you see people. So that I can see the prisoner the way that you see them. So I can see the drug addict the way that you see them. So that I can see the the homosexual the way that you see them. So that I can see this person the way that you see them. And that person the way that you see them. Because all I see are people walking around like, trees but Lord you see them differently you see them as lepers and you touch them and you heal them amen look at the next slide Jesus didn't see people the way that men saw them Jesus saw broken people and the way I hear my mouth talking often tells me I don't see people the way Christ sees them he saw weeping people He saw hurting people. He embraced the weak. And Jesus talked to them and he saved them. He didn't talk about them. He talked to them and he saved them and he was moved. And so we pray, Lord, this morning, God, with everything that's in you, God, we are like these blind men. And Lord, we just pray, God, that you would not only touch our eyes one time, God, where we just see a little bit and we see people walking, God, as as men like trees. But dear Father, we just pray for a second touch on our eyes, God. We pray that we would be able to see clearly and to see in this church men like you, God, women like you, God. We pray, God, that we would not be able 
able to walk by, Lord, these homes next to our church anymore and just see them as trees, God, moving around. No, God, we would see these as broken people in this society that are apart from you, that are away from you, that don't know you, God. And we would be moved with compassion, God, toward the need in this community, toward the need in our neighborhood, God, toward the need in our schools, God, toward the need in our government, toward the need everywhere, God, that we would no longer just see these as trees and objects, God. We no longer see this as nations across the pond, but we would see them as people like you see them as people, God. Oh, Lord, cause us to see clearly, Lord, in this last hour. In Jesus' name, amen. And the cry is not ashamed to pray that prayer. God, help me. Help me to see them. Help me to see them clearly. See, one of my favorite prayers, as I said, is that prayer, help me. Help me. And I want to go through a few scriptures here, and I want to see how we can make a, how, 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 how this prayer can make a difference. Because the Bible says, again, in the last days, that, that perilous times are coming. The Bible says that men's hearts will grow, uh, will fail them in fear. And, and, and the Bible says that the love of many people will grow cold. And I believe what he's talking about is what I said a couple of weeks ago, that the love for the work of God will grow cold. Because that sure is taking place in society today. Hardly anyone wants to go. My fields are empty. My table's full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? Who will go into my field? Who will get up off the couch and turn off the television and go to their neighbor? Who will go into their neighborhood? Who will go into the school system? Who will get on their knees and pray and intercede? Who will get out of the prayer closet at once they've interceded and go and hand out a track or go and love somebody or go and take somebody somewhere or go and and, 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 and take the gospel to places? Because the work of God, if we've grown cold to doing it, is redemption of the lost. And they won't hear unless you go. How will they hear unless a preacher goes? That's you. How will they hear unless somebody goes to them or say, and how can we go to them if we're, if we're going to be struggling to be engaged in the last time? And I believe we're going to have to cry this prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to stay engaged. Lord, help me to stay into the work of God. Lord, help me to continue to care for the lost. Help me to see them the way that you see them. Help me to stay engaged in the work of God. And there's no shame to say that. Now, a couple of scriptures that I want to show you where this uh, cry may, may be helpful is, is a couple of places. In Genesis 12, you see Abraham or Abram. And the Bible says, now, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, flee fr from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Now, I don't think Abraham had any way of knowing that, that he was going to make Israel, Mark, so, so great through him. That, that he was going to bring a great nation that we see today that is absolutely astounding what Jesus said, what, what God has done in, in the rebirth of a nation and causing this nation to cover the earth and be so amazing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you and you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And God has done that very thing. He has blessed through the people of Israel by bringing us the Messiah. But guess what? The Messiah came and guess what came through the Messiah? the church. 
And the whole world has been blessed, not only through Israel and the Messiah coming, but the whole earth has been blessed through the church coming and bringing the message of God throughout the world, throughout the ages, and still is doing that even to this day. Amen? So in in a way, in a small way, you are part of the fulfillment of this in the earth. Amen? Through Israel, the Messiah, through the Messiah, the church, and through us, the world has been blessed. The church has brought the knowledge of God to the world, and we are the light of the world. I'm not saying replacement theology. I'm saying Israel and the church have a part in all of this, and and God is reconciling the whole world and bringing us all back together. And has he done away with natural Israel? God forbid, no. But I'm telling you what, he has created a church out of his body, has formed a church that has filled the world made up of Jew, Gentile, and anybody else who will come into that in the name of Jesus and they'll take this gospel to the four corners of the earth. Amen? And we are a people through whom the world is supposed to be blessed. We're supposed to be blessing the world. Amen? Do you not know that? Not sitting always looking at somebody preach and then coming back and watching them do that next week. There's something to do. We are to be the light of the world. We're to be a city on a hill. We're not to go home and hide that under the bed or on the bookshelf. We're to let our light so shine before men that they see our good works and they glorify our Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. And so Abraham, and you could say it like this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You could also say, I heard one of my favorite preachers say this, God so still loves the world that he gives his only church, that whosoever believes through their testimony about Jesus Christ might be saved. No, let me read that again, because that's good stuff. God so still loves the world that he gives his only church that whosoever believes through their testimony about Jesus Christ might be saved. Hallelujah. So Abraham has a bit of a journey and he didn't do everything right and we haven't done everything right. If you have, we need to have a prayer meeting for you afterwards because you're deluded. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 but, but he simply believed God. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he has this long journey, and he comes into Genesis 18, the Bible says, where he's, he's done many things, but he comes to Genesis 18, and he's finally prospered. He was called to go, come out of his people, go into a land that he doesn't know where he's going. He was called. God showed him he's going to be a nation. God gave him a promise. God said the whole world's going to be blessed through him. Abraham has nothing, but he comes out on this journey. He has a couple of things that he does right. A couple things that he does wrong. God blesses him because of the promise and because of his faith. And God moves him into certain places and begins to prosper him. He, I mean, he, he begins to expand. He begins to grow. He even gets to a place where one time he comes against uh, uh, some warriors and some kings where he goes to battle. 318 of his warriors from his house rescue lots that we're about to get to and see in a moment. I mean, God prospers this man, blesses this man. Finally, Abraham is in a place 
place of rest when you come to Genesis 18. He's, he's wealthy now. God's blessed him. And he's kind of in a place where he's in his tent. He's got, the good, he's got all kinds of goods around him he, and things. He's got, a, a good, he's got a beautiful wife. I mean, she's 90 and she is gorgeous and people are still hitting on her and he's still lying and trying to uh, play it down and all these things. And she winds up in Abimelech's uh, uh, palace for a little bit because of his mistake. But I mean, she's a gorgeous woman, even at the age of 90, the Bible says, so this man is blessed and he's sitting here and he's finally in a place where he's got the goods, he's got the tent, he's got the wife, he's got the presence of God. And in this place, suddenly two angels show up with a pre-incarnate of Jesus Christ. While he's at this place of rest, while he's in this tent, and here's what the Bible says. Look at the next scripture and listen to what it says. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Here's what he comes down to do. He comes down and he begins to talk to Abraham about something, about the wickedness that's going on all around him. And he begins to say, shall I hide anything from Abraham? Remember, Abraham's kind of pitched his tent away from this and he's just, he's just uh, in a place of rest. And he's there in peace and rest. And he says, shall I hide anything from Abraham of what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Look at the next verse. Well, so the Lord reveals to Abraham that there's wickedness, as I said, in the society all around him. And Abraham has a prayer meeting outside of Sodom and Gomorrah right here. So when God comes and Abraham's going to turn to prayer, which is a good thing to turn to when he says, I've come down, I'm about to judge the wickedness. And by the way, that's where your, your nephew lives. And, uh, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge the wickedness of this city over there. And Abraham begins to go to prayer. Shouldn't we do that when we think that this nation is going to be judged. Do you understand that like 60 million people have been aborted in this nation? Do you know that God sometimes gets to a flashpoint of place in nations and decides I'm going to judge them? We could be at the precipice of a time in our country and in our world of such a time as this. We have redefined everything that God says is good and made it evil. Do you understand that? We've redefined everything that God has put in His Word and said, this is how I want it to be, whether it be marriage, whether it be, uh, whether it be the way we live with, uh, with dating, the way that we live with uh, heterosexual relationships. I mean, we have taken everything in God's Word and we've said it's rubbish and it's trash and I can think for myself, I, I can do it a better way. And we've redefined about everything that God has said to do and we've made evil good and good evil. And there comes a point, and these are written for your examples unto the ends of the earth. There comes times in nations and societies when God reaches a place where He says, I, if they don't repent, I have to judge. And so He comes to this place, and He, he comes Himself because he, he basically says, I've heard the report in Sodom, and we had to come down and see if it's really the way that we, that we hear it. We're going to come down and see if it's really like it says. And so, so, so suddenly the, the pre-incarnate Christ comes to Abraham. The angel's there. Tells him Sarah and his wife's going to have a son. And then Genesis 18, it says this and 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide anything from Abraham of what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And the nations of the earth shall be blessed through him. So the Lord reveals that there's wickedness going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. The vileness has reached heaven. He comes to see if the 
reports true. And then he lets Abraham know, I'm going to destroy this place. That's my intentions. It's called Sodom and Gomorrah. And, 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 and that's what I've come to do. Abraham gets on his knees, calls a prayer meeting. And here's what he intercedes and tells God. And Abraham came near and said to him, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Surely, God, I know you're good. And I know if you come to bring judgment and destroy, you will not destroy the righteous with the wicked, will you? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 that are righteous in it? Go to the next verse. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this. We know you're not like this, God. We know your heart is good. We know that you are good towards those who are righteous. Your ear is always attentive to the cry. So if there's 50, are you going to destroy it to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked? Are you going to count them all as one? Are, are you going to far be it from you? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Look at the next. So the Lord said, if I find Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I'll spare all the place for their sake. Then Abraham answered and said, indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy all the city for lack of five? He said, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there should be 45 or 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. And then he said, let not the Lord be angry with me. And I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. And he said, so I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, indeed, now I've taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak but once more. Suppose there are 10 that should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. Another one of my favorite preachers said this, and I had never thought about this, so I take no credit for it. He said, I've always been perplexed at why Abraham stopped Raymond at 10. Why did he stop at 10? He had a prayer. It's like having a prayer meeting. We think we've reached the answer from God and we just go home. That's a reasonable level, so we just, we just stop the prayer meeting and we're satisfied and we stop 10 short of the victory. Because listen, there, there, the 10 minus 4, because there were four iffy people there in Sodom that he gets out. He gets out, so they're really there's down to 6. He gets 4 out of there, so there's 6. And he, you know, why did he stop at 10? If there's 6, if there's 5, if there's 4, if there's 3, if there's 2, if there's 1... So Abraham prays, and this is what we've been doing as a society and a church, and then goes back home to his comfortable tent. Flicks on Fox News and CNN and just kicks back. I did my part. I went to prayer meeting tonight. And that's the answer to the Western world. We did a little bit, but then there's nothing required of us. 
Nothing else required. Let's just pray. When we think we got the answer, we go back home to our beautiful wife. We go back home to our comforts all around us. We go back to our tent and we just stay in that place and think that everything is right. But the Bible says that the Lord said if he found ten righteous in that city, he would not destroy it. So why in the world would Abraham go home? Why not call ten missionaries, get his family? He's got over 700 people. Why not get 700 people and say, can I get ten volunteers to go down to Sodom and live in Sodom because God said if there's ten righteous he'll spare the city good grief church wake up they're perishing they're perishing on your watch they're perishing on your watch if you see the perishing coming, if you see the judgment coming, and you as a watchman don't get on the wall, and you don't sound an alarm so they can see it coming, then when you come before the throne, guess what? The blood's on you. But we prayed. He might not have stopped judgment, but he might have slowed it down by sending somebody down in there, by sending some missionaries into that place. What if they had gone into that place? I'm sure the missionaries would have been fine because I'm sure if he said that's enough, they are not going to be redeemable. I'm sure just like he got these, if he got righteous Lot out of there who was struggling and was vexed by the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah and his wife and his daughters who had, were iffy at best and had all kinds of issues going on in their life, if he got them out, I'm sure if 10 missionaries went down in there and he began to destroy the city, he's going to send help down there and say get out of here because it's over but the question is how could they just have a prayer meeting and then not go how could they stop just short of, of the work of God in the earth how could they stop short of doing something to slow down the judgment to go and sound the alarm to these people to say wake up judgment is at the door repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand but Abraham went home and that's what we do and we implore God send deliverance be merciful to the city and then we just go back to our tents and God needs more he needs us he needs workers in the vineyard. He needs His church to awaken in America. And He needs us to get out of this idea that He doesn't require anything of us anymore. The Bible says, James says, faith without works is dead. There should be an outworking of this faith going on in our lives. Faith should bring us to the place where you say, God, I don't know what's going on, but Lord, there's trouble down there. And if necessary, send me. Send me if you have to. Send us. We're not much, but God sin Brookside Church of God we'll do something we're willing to go we're willing to be used by you so send us rather than going home and holding on to a measure of our own protection security and comfort which is what the body in America has done Oh, spare me, God. I don't want my family to be inconvenienced. Oh, God, I don't want to do without one convenience of luxury. God, don't let us do without anything, God, because we want it all. Amen? And we want you too. 
Don't put us out. We'll spread the gospel, but don't let us be uncomfortable for anything, right? Don't let us take up our cross and don't let us follow you because that's too hard on our flesh. Amen? It's like Jonah. Jonah's the second example in Jonah. Look at what Jonah 1, 1 through 3 says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go. This is what he's committed. Is that what Matthew 28 says to us? Isn't that what Matthew 28 says to you, the church? Arise, go, 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 go into the, all the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and pre- make disciples, make disciples of all nations. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Listen to the next. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare. It's amazing what we'll pay to get away from the presence of God. Paid a fare and, and on a ship that was going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Lord, can I just pray but not have to go? God, can I just pray and not go? They're wicked. They're evil, God. These are Assyrians. These are Assyrians. They bludgeon us. These are our enemies, God. Can I just pray? Do I really have to go to that guy? Do I really have to go to those people? That neighbor's so mean. God, do I really have to? Can I just pray for him and just kind of look the other way when I pass his house? Can I just go away from your presence? Can I just, can I, do I really have to speak to that person at church and forgive them? Can I just, can I just go away? Do I really have to go your way? Can, could I just go to, to, can I just pray for Nineveh? And so what does God do? What God, good gods do? The only good God does. The only God in the universe does. He sends a storm. And on his journey away from God, a great storm arose. And God is able to put you in a storm. That's why some of you, in other, other people, their lives are going great and everything's well. But inside of you right now, there's a storm brewing. Right now, you are in the worst storm of your life. Your mind's confused. You are in the storm of all storms. And God is able to put you into a storm that not only affects you, but it affects those around you and brings them into turmoil as well, like your family, your friends. Other people, maybe this church, it puts people into a storm. It affects those around. What is going on in my life? And everybody in that place, the Bible says, in that ship, they began to cry out to their own version of God and began to ask them to save themselves. And all of a sudden in Jonah 1.9, they asked Jonah finally, where do you come from? And so he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were excited afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. He told them. He, they knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord. Look at verse 10. Uh, then uh, the, the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And then verse 11, they, then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm before us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. 
And basically what he was, turmoil is because, the turmoil in my life, Jonah's basically said, is because I'm unwilling to do what God has asked me to do. The turmoil is brewing because God's asked me to do something and I've fled from the presence of the Lord and I'm unwilling to do what it is God has asked me to do. In other words, like, you know, when God asks you, like I said, to forgive somebody and you're to go apologize. No, I'm not apologizing. And now there's this storm brewing in your life. You're miserable. There's this storm going on in your life all the time. You can't get away. How do I know? I've been there. I've been in that storm before. God's put me in that place where it just gnaws at you and just stays on you. Or maybe God's told you to go talk to the neighbor and you say you got too much pride there's no way I'm going to humble myself and go talk to them they're going to shut the door in my face they're going to laugh at me and all of a sudden you ignore it you go I'll go talk to this person about the Lord but I'm not going to talk to that person about the Lord you're going to just kind of skirt it and say I'll do this one but I won't do that one and you go do that one but you feel nothing but you know in your heart there's a storm brewing because you know what God told you to do And and it's because God wants you in a certain place and you're not willing to go. And God's asking you to surrender. God's asking you to read the word. God's asking you to, 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 to yield to the Holy Spirit and let him change you from the inside out. Let the power of God change you. Not just a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And all around is a storm. And your family is drowning now. And your children are drowning now. And your marriage is drowning now. And your neighbors are drowning now. And is it you that I'm trying to get a hold of? God is saying now. And many people will be taken out of their storm listen the moment that you step over the line and you come into a right relationship with me God says many people are going to come out of the storm when you obey me when you obey and here's where it gets really interesting in Jonah 11 look then they said to him what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us for the sea was growing more tempestuous and said to them here's the prayer help me Lord help me Lord the things that I don't want to do that I do pick me up he said why does Jonah need picking up the boat ain't that high the boat side these are not big boats these aren't big navy ships Raymond these are little ships out there on this to tempestuous sea. Jonah can't climb over the boat himself. He can't climb over the side onto the plank and take a dive in. What's the problem? It's that you know what to do but you can't do it. The things I want to do that I can't do. Lord help me. Lord, pick me up and throw me into the sea. God, pick me up and throw me into the situation in Russia, God. Pick me up and throw me into the situation in Ukraine. Lord, pick me up and throw me into my neighbor's life. Lord, pick me up and throw me into the situation that I don't want to go into because I can't get there by myself. Then the sea will be calm before you for I know that this great tempest is because of me moi I need help because the things I want to do I can't do God pick me up and throw me into the sea Jesus help me to do what I can't do in my own strength I can't witness for you God 
But you want me to pick me up and throw me into this generation. Throw me into this society. Take me where I need to go so that there can be a calm brought to this world and to my life. Help me to care about others. I don't care about others. I don't care. I don't love people. One of my favorite preachers talks about the time when he first got saved. And he said, and I can vouch for this. I understand this. People have been such a source of pain in his life that he said when he got called into the ministry, he knew God was calling him to preach but he said when he got there into the church he said I can't love people God I don't love people and he said an old man one of the first things he did in a church like this was an old man came up to him and just grabbed him and hugged him and he said he stood there like a board he said I just didn't love people and he said the guy said I love you Carter and he said, he, he said, I just backed away from him and he didn't say anything. And his wife said, why didn't you tell the guy you love him? He said, I don't even like the guy. Why would I tell him I love him? He said, but God, he said, but God, I went to God and said, God, if you're calling me to this, then you're going to have to help me. And you're going to have to throw me in. And he has become one of the greatest people of loving people in this entire world. He has stood in places in Burundi. He has stood in war zones. He has gone and locked himself beside prison doors in maximum security prisons. Not because to be a big shot or because he's doing it because it makes him feel good. No, because God threw him into the storm and began to fill him with the love of God to become a man who deeply, deeply, deeply loves people and cares for people now and one woman was interviewing on a radio program and said what is the greatest he's written a book about prayer and she said he's seen all kinds of miracles and she said what is the greatest miracle you have seen all kinds of miracles in this world what is the greatest miracle that you've ever seen and Mark you know what he said he said that I could love people is the greatest miracle that I've ever seen. And she said, this lady was flabbergasted. She just started boohooing, crying. She said, I never expected that answer to come from you. And he said, it's an absolute miracle from God. God had to do it. God had to put this love in my heart to do this. And he said, that's the only way and the only thing that would do it is that he came and helped me and threw me into this and caused me to go where I needed to go and to do what I needed to do. And it was all the grace and mighty hand of God. Help me not to pursue my own comfort, God. Throw me into the midst of the tempest. Help me not to draw back for my help from preaching the gospel in this generation. Jesus, help me to keep moving forward. Help me to preach the gospel. Jesus, help me to yield my life to your purpose as a living sacrifice. Jesus, help me to speak the things that need to be spoken and give me a heart that I need to speak. It's up to us to get off of our chairs. It's up to us to get off our couch and say, yes, Jesus, I'm going with you into the work of God in the earth. Amen? I'm going with you. I'm going all the way. And God, I'm giving you permission to throw me into the place that I need to be for the sake of others. Enable me and throw me. Put me into the middle of somebody else's struggle. Can you pray that today? Throw me into the middle of somebody else's problem. Throw me into the middle of somebody else's struggle. Like somebody that just left this church just a few minutes ago. Who came and whispered in my ear and said, I've got to go because I'm going because I just got a call that somebody overdosed on drugs and is dead.
and they don't know God. Yeah, that ought, to, that ought to make every... There ought to be a whale. There ought to be a whale coming out of this church. You know what tells me that there's not a whale? is that we need the love of God. That's what that tells me. That tells me we all need the love of God. The, the, the love of God that would weep and wail over the lost in this, in this society. The love of God that would wail over somebody exiting this world because the ch- church is in the tent of comfort and not willing to be given for the lost in this society. God, we ask for your help. God, we ask you to put us in places that we don't want to go and into things that we don't want to do. God, we ask you to throw us in. I pray that we'd be willing to be broken for others in this society. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the work of God in the earth. God, we thank you that you're trying to awaken us in this church, God. You're trying to awake us to the need all around us for God. So love the world that he gave his only begotten son God Lord there's something better than just than just long rants on Facebook that's good I do believe you use those things but God there's nothing like sitting at the table with somebody there's nothing like a knock on the door there's nothing like feeling the loving embrace of another human being there's nothing like receiving a cake or a meal there's nothing like a visit there's nothing like the word of God spoken directly there's nothing like somebody looking me in the eye. There's nothing like somebody having a tear roll down their cheek as they come and say, please get off the drugs. They're going to kill you. You're going to die and you're going to end in eternity without knowing God. Dear Father, Dear Father, oh God, let us be willing to pray and intercede for the judgment that's coming. But then let us be willing to get up and go do something about it, God. Throw us in. Throw us into Nineveh. Throw us into the Ninevehs. Throw us in. Jonah didn't want to go, but God, when he went, when he went to these people and he preached about the judgment of God, they repented. They repented. God, we don't know who God is willing and ready to hear the message that we have to bring and deliver to them. Oh God, we've talked about the last two weekends. God, just two people in hospitals, their hearts already broken, their hearts already brought to a place where if somebody would just come, if somebody would just, if a preacher is just sent, if somebody would just come and pray, if somebody would just come and deliver the word of God, the right words, the right hope, if somebody would just come and seal the deal, that lives can be impacted and changed forever. And so God, move Move. Jonah couldn't even climb to the edge of that ship on his own without chickening out. And God, I've been there. I'm there now. I'm there now. Witnessing terrifies me. It terrifies me often. Going up to people that are told, don't even know you, it terrifies me. But God, I'm willing. I want to be thrown in. I want to be thrown in, God. It's easy to do it to people in the church. It's easy to get up here on a stage and preach a message to people that believe, God, it's hard and difficult to go into some of these places that you call us to go. But dear God, I want to go. I may not climb up on the ship by myself and jump over, but dear God, throw me in to people's storms so that they can be, uh, so that they can be calm. So throw me into their problems and into their situations, God. And sin, here I am like I was 
Isaiah, so send me, God. Send me and send this church. Dear Lord, the world is perishing. It is perishing right before our eyes. Bombs are going off. That's not fantasy. That's not call of duty. People are dying in this world every single second now, God. They're dying of pestilence. They're dying of war. They're going to start dying of famine. They're going to start dying of disease, God. It's going to get worse. God, there's difficulties coming on this earth. Lord, you need a people willing to be given and willing to go to the lost of this world. You so loved the world that you gave your only son. And we should so love the world as the church, God, that we as testimonies give the message of Jesus Christ to this world. So throw us into the place that we need to be thrown into today, Lord, in Jesus' name.